Welcome to Gateway's Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, good morning, church family. It's so great to see you all. My name is Nick Miner. I'm the student pastor here at Gateway. And looking out of the crowds, I see some jackets back out. Um, unfortunately, we not only got an hour of sleep stolen from us today, we also got spring stolen from us today, um, which is wildly unfortunate. And I, for, all, for all you people, we had a lot of people in the past year join our church um, from all over the country, from Pennsylvania, from New York, New Jersey, California, Washington State, all these different places. And just as a lifelong South Carolinian to you, I want you to know, like, this is normal. Uh, don't put your jackets up yet. It does snow this thing called pollen each and every year. It gets really warm. It snows pollen. And then what you thought when well, you're putting your jackets away, not yet. You got to bring them back out. It's, it's a whole, it's like an in-between spring, we like to call it. And so um, that's why there's so many car washes all around. Um, so just as my, my tip and piece of advice to all of you. But we look forward to the 102-degree summer in just a few months. So uh, it'll be a grand old time. We're, we're gathered here this morning. We're starting a new series called Family Matters, called Family Matters. And, and just so you guys know, here at Gateway, Gateway, we absolutely love our families. We value our families as part of our preaching calendar. Every year we, we preach on and teach on what's very important to us. And every year we have uh, a series dedicated to families that we'll be spending the next three weeks in. And of course, in three weeks, we also have our marriage conference. We, we have almost 50 couples signed up for yet. David's son's going to be coming in on that Saturday, uh, pre teaching and helping us dig deeper into our marriages. Because of course, here at Gateway, we believe that healthy marriages lead to healthy families. And so we very much value the families here at Gateway. And even when I was getting to know Gateway, when I was onboarding and learning more about what it means to be on staff here, uh, I remember being out to lunch with all the pastors here and I was asking them questions and I was asking, you know, why do you love Gateway so much? Why, um, why did you choose to be a Gateway? And to a T, every single one of them said, Gateway is a church where you want to raise your kids. And that was a selling point for me as a new father. And I can attest in almost two years now being here that it is absolutely true. And so we understand that families are important, that our homes are important, because these are the people, of course, we spend the most time with. These are the people who a lot of our emotional energy, for good or for bad, goes into. Um, and it's vitally important for us as we kick off this series. Um, this morning, what we'll be talking about is what is the ultimate goal of family? What is the ultimate priority of family and why did God even put this thing called family into existence? And so we're going to be diving into this family series, first looking at what the ultimate goal of our families are. These people that we share a roof with, a home with, some walls with, and that we spend all this time together with. What does Jesus have to say about our families? And we're going to be looking in the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35, to see what the ultimate goal that Jesus has for each and every one of our families. So if you read the word of God with me, it'll be on the screens as well. Mark 3, verse 31 says this, his mother, Jesus' mother and brothers came and standing outside, they sent word to him, Jesus, and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied, Jesus replied to them, who are my mother 
And my brothers, looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And now you might be saying to yourself, hold on, Nick, you just said how important families are. And then you go read these couple verses where Jesus seems to deny his mother and brother and sisters. And on a surface, it does seem like Jesus is turning away from his mother and sister and brothers and his family. Um, but bear with me, we will get there. And the reason I chose this passage for us this morning is because one, this is this uh, this passage or something like it is found in three of the four gospels. And typically when all these different authors are drawing your attention, to one thing we need to know how to handle what Jesus is trying to tell us. And also, uh, I picked this passage because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of conversations. And in one of those recently I was listening to, um, had to do with this passage right here in the midst of a conversation between an evangelical Christian and a Jewish rabbi. And it was an interesting conversation. They talked about, you know, the church. They dove into the Old Testament, the similarities and differences between these different belief systems and what it was like to be raised in the church versus raised um, under Judaism. And then and finally, the evangelical Christian asked the rabbi the ultimate question, the ultimate difference between these two um, religions. And that question is, of course, so why not Jesus? Why is Jesus not the guy for you? And why do you say that Jesus was not the Messiah? And I expected the rabbi to have some sort of theological answer, maybe some Old Testament prophecies that weren't quite fulfilled in Jesus, maybe a misunderstanding of some uh, verses or maybe different interpretations of Hebrew, the original language that, that was maybe different, all these different things. But his answer was very, very interesting and it's very pertinent to what we're talking about this morning. The rabbi said to the Christian, the Messiah is supposed to be the perfect Jewish man. He was supposed to be the perfect Jewish man and there is no way that the perfect Jewish man, the Messiah, would ever turn his back on his family. That there is no way that a Messiah would look at his mother and his sister and brothers and say, that's not who my family is, this is who my family is. And so based off of that alone, based off this passage alone, some people reject Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah. And so we need to know how to handle these verses, and we need to understand what Jesus is really saying. And I don't think he's telling us that family doesn't matter. I don't think he's telling us to turn our backs on our families. But what I think he's doing is calling us to the most important aspect and the most important goal of each and every one of our families. And so let's talk about what Jesus is not saying. First of all, I don't think that Jesus is saying that family isn't important. I don't think that Jesus is saying that family just not saying that family isn't important. We ought to understand that family, first of all, was God's idea, that, that God gave Eve to Adam, that he instituted this thing called marriage, that later on when he was giving the law to his people, to the Israelite people, later on in the, in the book of Exodus, um, that two of the Ten Commandments were focused on protecting the sanctity of marriage and telling, and telling families, children, honor your mother and father, do not commit adultery, that protecting this thing called marriage and protecting these thing, this thing called family was very, very important to God. Jesus had very uh, strict rules when it came to divorce. Paul's the one who said, parents don't provoke your children and children obey your parents. I don't think that Jesus is saying that family is important. I think what he's trying to do is point us to the most important connections that each and every one of us 
are to have, and that is that our most important connections are centered around Jesus. That our most important connections are centered around Jesus. Up until this point in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has been doing some pretty wild things. Um, late, late in Mark chapter 2, he, him, Jesus and his disciples were walking through this grain field and they were hungry, but it was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, according to the religious customs of the day and according to the religious leaders, you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. But as Jesus is walking through this field, him and his disciples start picking grain to eat. And of course, the religious leaders have a problem with that because in their eyes, Jesus was sinning or breaking the law. And Jesus looks at him and says this wild thing. He says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. A little later, Jesus is in the temple again on the Sabbath, and a man comes in with a withered hand, and Jesus, perceiving the hearts of the religious leaders in the room who are looking at him and looking for ways for him to mess up, he looks at them and he says, is it lawful to do even good on the Sabbath? And he heals the man's hand. And again, he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And at that moment, because he's broken their law twice, the religious leaders start looking for ways to kill Jesus. It says they start looking for ways to get rid of him in Mark chapter 3. And then later on, he's drawing all these crowds and he's healing and teaching. Jesus sets up his disciples. And all throughout this chapter, his family's kind of there. His family's kind of watching. His brothers even become some of his disciples. But an interesting verse is found in Mark chapter 3 a little earlier. It says, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for their saying, he is out of his mind. In Mark chapter 3 and leading up to these verses, we we see that Jesus is being attacked by religious leaders who are looking to kill him. His family is sitting here thinking, this guy is out of his mind. What is Jesus up to? And even in the verses right before chapter or verse 31, it says that the religious leaders were wondering by what power, by what authority Jesus is doing all these things. And they say that Jesus is doing all this through the power of demons. So Jesus is accused of of demonic activity. Jesus is accused of breaking laws and they're looking for ways to kill him. And his own family thinks he's out of his mind. And as his family comes in these verses we're looking at this morning to seize him, to take him, he looks at them and he says, there's a more important connection than this. And he's saying that our most important connections are centered around Jesus. Because while his physical family, his mother, his brothers and sisters were looking to seize them, and rightfully so, they thought he was out of his mind, as the scriptures say. There are also people in crowds around Jesus in close proximity, listening to his teaching and seeking to do the will of God. And Jesus is saying that as important as our familial, familial connections here on this earth, that there is also a spiritual family family that we have, are a part of and that our most connect, important connections are centered around Jesus. The gospel is, is simply this, that when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, that through the atonement of our sins, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that we are born again. And when we are born again, we are born into a new spiritual family. And what connects us is this Holy Spirit within us. And that Holy Spirit in us speaks to the Holy Spirit that lives in others. And they are now our brother or sister in Christ. When the reason we can have such a beautiful prayer time earlier in this service is because we can boldly come 
before God, not as like broken pieces of his creation, not as people who like mess up all the time, not as like imperfect sinners, even though we are some of those things, but we can come boldly before God and cry out, as Paul says in Galatians 3, Abba, Father, because we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that we are adopted into a new family, the family of Christ. This is why, this is why we rejoice, our hearts rejoice so much and, and parents, maybe you've experienced this, and I look forward to this day. This is why we rejoice so much when we see our children come to Christ and when we get to see Father. And I love that we practice this here at Gateway, that we allow fathers and mothers to baptize their children because we understand that this is a picture of a son or a daughter now becoming a brother or sister in Christ. What a beautiful change in spirit in that family. It's also, on the flip side, while we mourn so much when we see children stray away from the church or stray away from God, because we don't just see a son or a daughter walking away from the church, or walking away from Jesus or all these different things, but we see a brother and sister in Christ straying away from Jesus. But this new family, this important connection sitting around Jesus, as Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 3, it's, it's given a new mission. It's given a, a, a set of new values, and those values are to be centered around Jesus and to pursue the will of God, which simply means to listen and be led by the Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives. So if Jesus, if Jesus isn't saying that family is not important, and, it, and if he is pointing to our most important connections that are centered around Jesus, then how does this change the goal of your family? What does this teach us in the context of this series called Family Matters? Well, I think it changes the values and it changes the goals of each and every one of our families to, to the fact that families exist to help each other follow Jesus. That families exist, that God put this thing called families in place and in motion to help each other follow Jesus, and that our biggest responsibility is to show Jesus in each and every one of our homes. And as a, as a new father, I have a, Gus just turned two this past Wednesday. We got another one on the way um, in a couple months in May. As a new father this morning, like I'm, what God's teaching me and what I'm starting to understand is, is truly like the tyranny of the urgent, um, is truly like that, the saying that days sometimes feel like years and years feel like days, and, and it blows my mind that Gus is now two years old, and it's, it's insane. And I'm understanding that sometimes we can lose focus on what's really important. Because as important as it is for Gus to get potty trained, and that's certainly very important, um, as important for it is for our kids to one day grow up and go to school and get this great job, and as important for it, for, as it is for us and our spouse you know, to love each other and me and Catherine to, to share a home together, what's ultimately the most important is that as a husband, I help my wife follow Jesus. And as a father, I help my son grow up in the Lord and understand what it means to follow Jesus. And that each and every one of our roles in our households, from kid all the way up to grandparent, is to help our families follow after Jesus. So I humbly ask you today, just as a relatively new parent, and as somebody who's not perfect, and is still trying to figure it out, to just with, with humbly, with no spirit of condemnation or guilt or whatever, just to simply do a spiritual assessment of your home. To think about under our roof, what do my kids or my spouse value 
as what I think is most important. What do I communicate through my time? What do I communicate through my decisions? What is the culture of our home? What is our finances, where we spend our money, communicate what's so important about us, about our family? And as we, as we think about that, and as we do a spiritual assessment of our home, I think there's two action steps that we all could take to do a better job um, and, and bring up the culture of, of following Jesus in our homes. And the first one is simply this, is to bring the church home. To bring the church home. Um, I think I went through this thing when Gus was, you know, I'm still going through it each and every day, but this thing happens when you become a parent that I really didn't expect. When you start to look back at your own childhood and you start to think about like, what's, what was really important for my childhood that I want to impart on my son. And a couple months ago, Gus really got in to singing worship music. And so Gus loves being it back in this room. He loves it in kids' church when they're singing songs. And just one thing we do when we're in the home is we put on YouTube and he just sings on the worship music. But one thing that was really important to me when I was a kid is when I was a kid, like we, we went to a service and all like in my church, we sang hymns. Like it's just what we did. And so hymns were like very, very important to me growing up. And I didn't realize how important it was until I had a son and I was like, hang on a second. Like I want Gus to know these hymns and be able to sing them. And so in my head, I decided to wage some worship wars on Jeremy. Um, And so I actually went to Jeremy with all the boldness of a 30-year-old father. And one day during the week, I just kind of plopped down in his office and I was like, Jeremy, man, uh, we need to start singing more hymns at Gateway. And Jeremy just kind of, you know, he always chews sunflower seeds in his office, so we kind of put them down. And, uh, and he looked at me, and with all the wisdom of a worship pastor and father of great four kids, like he asked me, he said, Nick, why is it so important for us to sing hymns at Gateway? And my answer was simple, because this is what I was after. I was like, well, if, if Gus doesn't learn hymns at church, then where is he going to learn these hymns? And Jeremy just got a little smirk on his face, and he looked at me, and he gave me this great lesson. He said, well, Nick... If it's so important for Gus to learn hymns, then why don't you teach them? And I thought to myself, I didn't think of that, Jeremy. I didn't, I didn't realize that that was like one of the options. But in that moment, in that 30-second conversation, what I learned was if anybody is going to be responsible for the spiritual maturity or if anybody's ultimately responsible for what my kid knows, guess what? That's on me. And we got to bring those things we learn from church and we got to take them home. Because our spouses, ourselves, our kids, all of us, we don't just need the gospel on Sundays. We need the gospel in our lives each and every day. And one thing that Bart's going to teach on next week is how in our homes, day in and day out, we have a gospel environment. We have an environment or culture in our homes marked by grace, marked by peace, marked by joy, marked by forgiveness, and that we're showing these things each and every day, seven days a week, bringing the church home. The second thing, just as you think about the spiritual assessment of your home, is how are we bringing the home to church? How are we bringing the home to church? And I don't mean just this building called Gateway. I don't mean just this room that we sit in. What I mean is, are we connecting our family to the family of Christ? Are we connecting our kids? Are we connecting ourselves to the spiritual family that we're all a part of? And just to speak as your student pastor for a moment and to speak on behalf of the, teen- the teenagers in the room, parents, if you're listening to me, these kids, these students spend so much time in school. And on average, these students spend anywhere 
from six to nine hours in front of a screen each and every day. And in spite, and that's not a week, that's a day, and in spite of that constant connection to each other, in spite of all the Snapchats and the TikToks and the text messages and the phone calls and all these different things, this next generation self-reports as the loneliest generation that we've ever seen. In spite of constant connection, there's still an element of loneliness. And how, much, how important is it then that they're connected to a family of Christ, that they're connected to people who love them, who care about them, and who want to see what's best for them in growing up to look more and more like Jesus. So get involved at Gateway and bring the home to church. And I want to close this morning with just a couple words of hope. Because, of course, in a crowd this size, I'm well aware that maybe... Your family looked a lot different than my family looked. That maybe your, maybe your parents weren't together. Maybe they got a divorce. That maybe you didn't have a mother or father in your life who taught you how to grow up spiritually or who even cared if you followed Jesus. And just here's my hope and here's my encouragement. It's simply this, that this is why that the, the family of Christ is so vitally important. Because in this family of Christ, you can find a spiritual mother or spiritual father, or spiritual brother, or spiritual sister, who can come alongside you and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. And the second thing is this, because I know that we all have family in this room who maybe couldn't care at all about the church, who maybe came to church for a while and experienced church hurt and strayed away, or maybe you have students or college-age kids that just don't really care about God anymore, don't really care about church anymore. And my, my encouragement I want to give you is this, and that is, like, what actually happened to Jesus' mother and brother and sisters? What, what, what became of them? If they went from trying to seize Jesus and thinking he was out of his mind, what is the rest of the story? And it's found in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. He's come before his disciples. He's ascended on into heaven. And it says that the disciples and all of his followers were praying continually. And Acts 1.14 says this, they were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. When eventually at some point during Jesus' ministry, his family came around and two of his brothers, James and Jude, ended up writing letters found in the New Testament. And both of them start this way. James 1.1 says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude 1.1 says, Jude, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude ends his letter with this in Jude 1. He says, now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time now and forever. Amen. I want you guys to know and some hope in this room today is that if you have family far from Jesus, that Jesus' family was just the same way. And that eventually through the power of the gospel, they came to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and made Jesus, Lord, even though he was their brother and they grew up with him, Lord and Savior of their lives. And the gospel can do the exact same thing for you in your life if you're not connected to Jesus, and also through your friends and family who are far from Jesus. I'll end where I started, that here at Gateway, your family 
is incredibly important to us because we understand that families centered around Jesus are strong and they last. That the best thing for the community of Chapin and Ballantyne and Irmo and Little Mountain and Peak and all these places are strong families following after Jesus together. Strong families following after Jesus can turn a community on its head. That strong marriages are centered around Jesus. And here at Gateway, we care very much that in your homes, in your walls, under your roof, that you're all helping each other follow after Jesus together. Let's pray.